welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. Steve Jobs said, Apple's top priority is to make things intuitive and obvious. And I think there is hardly any top manager in any consumer goods, uh, automotive, high-tech company that would not state more or less the same. And it is 100% correct. We need intuitive products and we need intuitiveness in any of the technologies and the HMIs, the human-machine interfaces. Problem is, achieving this goal is not trivial. Many years ago, in one of the companies I was working, the top managers always said to me, just make it easy, just make it simple, or the KISS uh, principle, keep it straight and stupid. Or, if they wanted to be a little more elaborated, they said, make it intuitive to use. Easy said, pretty hard to do. And this podcast this week is about intuitiveness. What does intuitive mean and how do we achieve an intuitive HMI? At the end of the podcast, you will find three core questions, three central questions that you should ask yourself and that you should answer if you want to design an intuitive HMI. At its core, there are two types of learning processes that lead to HMIs and technology being perceived as intuitive. On one hand, there is the physical and cultural learning, which we all go through from our very early childhood, from birth on. And then later on, we have the second time and type of learning, which is conscious learning of knowledge and skills. This is what we learn at schools until today. And uh, when we go to classes or when we, when we listen to this podcast, for example, then you do conscious learning. Intuitive comes from intuition and intuition is defined as processing information without cognitive or mental effort or without cognitive or mental load, which again is pretty easy said and understood, but what does this really mean? The first thought is it should be easy. A user should have 
to spend little mental effort, little cognitive energy in order to interact with the technology, in order to be able to achieve the results that he or she would like to achieve in dealing with the corresponding object, with the HMI, with the technology behind us. And it is about having a target. You need to achieve results. Just playing around with something will not give you any information whether this product, whether this human-machine interface is intuitive or not. And this definition, in order to be able to interact with the technology, with a little cognitive energy, that hits it very well. But there's a little more behind it. A system, technology and HMI, may be considered intuitive if a user with no prior knowledge can use it. If he can consciously use it and reach a target and can achieve goals with it and not having to call up knowledge from the back of his or her mind. And the key in this definition is the expression without prior knowledge. If a system is learned, if you go out and learn a software, if you learn how to control a machine, a system for hours of training, then you can use it with larger or smaller mental efforts. Without this prior knowledge, a technology in HMI cannot be used intuitively. So you may remember your first lesson at driving school. You entered the car and there were a couple of things, more or less intuitive, maybe the steering wheel, maybe you had heard about the paddles, but there was a lot more of technology on this dashboard in this car that you simply had to learn. And there was a driving teacher beside you telling you what to do and how to control this technological artifact with the, the car. And the same is for airplane cockpits. So pilots are highly trained. Um, they they um, highly they are highly selected, and they learn a lot before they get into an airplane cockpit and fly it. And they may get, reach a level of knowledge and training um, that they feel that it feels interacting with this uh, airplane intuitively. And for anyone else of us not being a pilot, not experiencing this training, it will be absolutely impossible and nothing will be intuitive in an aircraft cockpit. For a complete understanding of the entire relationship and the entire concept of intuitiveness, it is helpful to know and understand the psychological background a bit about human information processing and a bit about how humans learn and what they learn. There's a nice paper uh, by a guy called Tretvik and uh, he writes about the activity theory where he invents this concept that I'll be talking about in the next few minutes. 
When we are born, we immediately begin to perceive our environment, to interact with, the, with our environment. We take in information and uh, we give back information. So we create interaction with our environment. We manipulate objects and humans and we are manipulated by them. And in addition to this basic manipulation, this very object, the physical part of it, there is a cultural context in which we grow up. I will not go into the topic of culture in all depth here. That will be a separate um, episode. But uh, culture plays a significant role in growing up and learning and experiences And it plays a significant role in intuitiveness. Both the physical environment and the cultural context have a significant impact on what and how we learn. We are constantly learning. Especially children who constantly experience new sensory impressions. And they, they have a very steep learning curve. And we all, all of us having little children will, will see that how much they learn in a very small time. We adults find it a little more difficult to learn new things, but we can learn and um, we, we have to learn. And um, it is still possible even at older ages to learn, learn new things. But based on the experiences that we have in life, some things are easier to learn for us than others. And the better we have learned in action, the easier it is for us to perform it and the more intuitive it appears to be. Every HMI, every human-machine interface, every interaction between a technology and a person is based on previous experiences, on cultural and physical experiences, on conscious and unconscious experiences, with the person the user has made. Without this prior experience, it is not possible to act and to interact with a technology in a purposeful way. Some examples. The Apple introduced the first smartphone in 2007, and that was the first time a high-end capacitive touchscreen was offered to a large amount of people to, to the public. And with that, Apple introduced an interaction language Just like swiping, scrolling, zooming, two fingers zooming, zooming in, zooming out uh, on content. Um, that was introduced um, not even 20 years ago. And that was new at that time. Today, we find it everywhere, wherever we are. And even if you have a look at people interacting with non-touch screen, Uh, a technology they very often grab on the screen they try to swipe things they try to zoom with two fingers and that is what's happening uh, uh, everywhere and and um, so so these touchscreens they are ubiquitous and with that this interaction language uh, it is ubiquitous and 
It feels very intuitive today. Another thing is icons. So there are different kinds of icons. Some of them transfer information from the real world into the HMI, from the analog world into the HMI. Um, others are more generic. Um, if you have a look, for example, at the Spotify logo on your smartphone, this green circle with the round elements in it, um, that is far more abstract. But, um, for example, the recycle bin on the desktop that you have, that looks like the paper bin that, have, uh, that you have uh, below your desk. And it behaves exactly like this, this paper bin. I mean, you can throw things into it and you can take them out again and you can reuse them just like with a real uh, paper bin. But uh, if, if, you, if, you, if you throw it away, if you empty the paper bin, it's gone forever and you will not get it back. In both cases, in the digital world and in the analog world. Like folders and file systems are pretty much the same. Or maybe um, you remember, um, again, your first driving lessons. I mean, the, the basic principles, um, they, they work. And um, when you, when you um, get into a rental car, um, the basic principles, they, they work. I mean, they... Uh, Uh, there's a steering wheel and there are the paddles in the car and then there will be a speedometer behind the steering wheel or close to the steering wheel. That works. But if you want to connect your smartphone um, with a head unit, then you will find out, all right, that this works different in, in, in every car that you have. And I'm driving many rental cars and it's always a very nice experience to enter a new brand and uh, to, to perform this exercise to find out how can I uh, connect my smartphone with the hands-free uh, of our capabilities of, of the head unit. Another experience, um, me as, as a German, um, I'm, I drive on the right-hand side on the roads, but um, there are many countries uh, on, on the, in the world where you drive on the left-hand side and That is a very good experience that shows you how learning works, how automation of processes work, and how much of intuitiveness is based on prior experience um, that you have, that you say, okay, um, I'm making a right or a left turn on a right or left-hand car is a totally different experience. And you find it, if you drive on in the car you're used to, or on the side of the road you're used to, feels very intuitive, very easy, but if you, uh, if you drive on the, on the, let's say, wrong side, on the other side, then um, you will find out it's not intuitive at all. Same procedure, just the other way around. To design an intuitive HMI, it is essential to consider the physical and the cultural backgrounds of your users where they grew up, and where they gained their experience. The basic physical parameters, they're the same for everyone. Gravity works in the same way everywhere on the globe. We have light and darkness, day and night, sun, moon and stars. And we are constantly exposed to these factors. And so they, we, we recognize them as completely um, natural and, and, and they're 
sometimes very unconscious to us. And they don't change. Even long-term, these physical parameters, they don't change. There are differences in the culture area. For example, in the interpretation of colors, every language and all the fonts and characters we use, they differ on the globe. And uh, if we are not constantly exposed to certain cultural contexts, then we tend to forget them. And they, they change um, every now and then. So cultural contexts change over time. So we have uh, the constant physical parameters, and then we have the cultural parameters. The first ones, they don't change, and cultural parameters, they change. Intuitiveness is easier to achieve if physical contexts only contexts are used with a disadvantage that they narrow the opportunities you have. I mean, it limits innovations if you rely on, on universal intuitiveness on the physical parameters only. So all designs, icons, labels, and colors, they have cultural backgrounds. To summarize up to this point, interaction becomes intuitive when it meets two criteria. Is it close to the physical experience of the user? And is it close to the cultural experience of the user? So some, some points on the physical experience. What is a typical physical experience? For example, uh, we all learn objects do not move by themselves. So this means for an HMI that the interaction should be controlled by the user. Interaction elements like icons, lists, and so on, they should not move or change by themselves. Objects can only be in one place at a time. So duplicates in HMIs cause confusion. So when I let go things in the physical world, they fall down or they do not move longer. And um, so that should be the same in HMIs. So there, there should not be, if I, if I drop an element in, in an HMI, it should end the action I wanted to do with it. And then uh, we have an expression, a pretty new expression, which is called skeuomorphism. Skeuomorphism, um, it's a bit of a buzzword for me. Uh, it basically describes the fact that you reuse um, objects, um, interaction principles, that you use um, visual appearances and behavior of objects Uh, that you, you copy that from the analog, from the real world, into the digital, into the HMI world. And you rebuild the real world on a screen to build an intuitive HMI. For me, this is um, not really new, but it is super important. So having a word for this, skeuomorphism, um, is a good way of explaining the phenomenon, um, and uh, it is then easier to introduce intuitive HMIs.
some cultural experiences um, that um, you will find in HMIs or rep are replicated in HMIs. For example, you have these um, start, stop, pause, and record buttons um, on on uh, in, in HMIs. They may be on smartphone HMIs. They are here in the software that I use to record um, this this podcast. Um, you will find them there, and you will find them in cars and, and everywhere. But they're introduced. It's a cultural thing that this triangle means start, that the little square means stop, um, that uh, the round button, the round red button is the record button. I mean, that's not anyhow natural, but it's a cultural experience people have, and using this uh, will lead to, to intuitive uh, solutions. Or the fact that um, red means warm and blue means cold, wherever you are in the world, if you want to have warm water from the tap, you use the red uh, device and uh, the blue one is for cold water. Or another color-related thing uh, for us in, in the Western world, in, in, in Europe and in North America, red means dangerous and green means okay. And um, this is very interesting that uh, in, in many Asian regions, red does not necessarily stand for, for danger, but uh, it may mean something totally different. And many, many uh, HMI designers are super surprised that their HMI is not seen as intuitive. Um, they used red to indicate some dangerous status. Uh, but uh, again, uh, that the red is connected with danger is a cultural experience and, and not a physical one. Same as for most fonts, letters, uh, numbers that we have. Or for example, for the hashtag function, which is used more or less globally and we all know how to use it on social media. But somebody introduced it and uh, we all needed to learn it and it's a not, not a natural thing. So, physical and cultural experiences are the foundation of intuitiveness. They are one side of how to design an intuitive HMI. Then, on this basis, on, on this uh, fundament that we have here, um, further learning processes take place. And um, this is through practice, through repeating things. Um, you create new neural connections in your brain and um, that make, make it increasingly easier to call up information. A good example is always learning an, an instrument. So you can take a guitar and then maybe you learn your first two or three record, uh, accords and then, and then you can strum a song on this and If you keep on learning, if you keep on practicing, if you call up the information over and over again, you create new neural connections and it gets easier and easier to perform the same task. And then you can maybe even sing with that uh, when, when you strum these, these uh, chords. And so yeah, that, that is a typical thing of um, how uh, information move, moves from, from consciousness to um, unconscious performing down to intuitive uh, intuitiveness. 
And the more you learn it, the more you have the feeling that it gets intuitive. And uh, at the end, you can access this information or this practice and you can do things without any effort. So, in principle, we have a two-step learning process. One is based on the physical and cultural basics and the other one is adding additional knowledge and skills at a later point in time by just performing it over and over again. So, there are these three core questions then developing an HMI. The first question you should ask yourself and that you should answer is who uses my product? Who performs an action with my HMI? And what previous experiences do these users have? The first question, I mean, this who uses my product uh, is, is always a core question. I'm asking my clients when I show up there and said, hey, who are your users? Is it sold in Europe only? Is it uh, in North America? Is it uh, in Asia? And uh, is it um, everyone? I mean, if you design an HMI for automotive, almost everyone can use it. If you design an HMI for, for a pilot or a train driver, then only a very small group of people which are highly selected and highly educated, they will use that. And uh, one interesting fact on culture is that uh, if you compare pilots from different nations, from different cultures all over the world with each other, you will find out that at least as flying is concerned and, and steering an aircraft, now, the differences are very small because they all have the same education, the same previous experiences. And so um, you have to ask yourself, who uses my products and what is their previous experience? The second point is uh, that you should ask yourself, what is the state of the art at the moment? And I mean, I can wait when I'm at one of my clients and starting a project and conducting a kickoff workshop and we're discussing all the things that we want to talk about in the project, things we want to solve. Um, someone will stand up and say, hey, just make it like an Apple HMI. And Yes, I mean, wherever you go, wherever you are, it's not only Apple, it's also all the Android things and other smartphone and tablet HMIs. That seems to be the state of the art. And um, you will find this in, in medical devices. You find this in uh, car navigation systems. It's always this uh, kind of, of HMI solution. Um, so that is the state of the art at the moment. And uh, if you go to concrete detailed applications, maybe machine tools or cars, there may be other states of the art um, at the moment. And this changes. 20 years ago, no one knew anything about a uh, smartphone HMI as we have it today. All the, the cell phones and all other technological devices, they had different HMIs and um, that we had a different state of the art. And um, there is a very high chance that what we have as a state of the art today uh, 
will not be the standard, will not be the state of the art in a few years from now. So it is foreseeable that other interaction principles will come up and um, that again, that we will have to check again uh, later on uh, what is the state of the art in five years, ten years from now, if we develop an HMI in five or ten years from now. And the third point is what regulations as ISO standards or laws or other regulations are out there. They are meant to standardize things. And um, there is this one ISO 9241, which describes basically everything about HMIs, but there are also more specific HMI uh, standards, ISO standards like the 15008, uh, which deals with the size of icons and texts and cars, or the ISO 2575, uh, which defines the so-called telltales, all the icons that are uh, indicating uh, low beam, high beam, um, windscreen wipers, horns and cars. So that is standardized there. And if there is such a regulation, you should follow that. Little remark at the end. Um, I already talked about the ISO 9241. There is this part 110. I mean, there is an overall of, I don't know, 25, 30 substandards today. But uh, the 110, that is the one where interaction principles for HMIs are described. And there are quite a few there, um, seven to be uh, specific. But none of this is intuitive. So intuitivity, intuitiveness... Um, is not a concept that is found there, but implicit is it is there all the time. So to me, it seems like intuitiveness is a more generic concept that uses a couple of sub-concepts um, to, to be defined and to, um, yeah, uh, to, 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 to be defined. And in other HMI uh, guidelines and standards, it's pretty much the same. So it seems like intuitiveness is more like a heading concept, an overarching concept in HMI design. Okay, let's go down to the summary of uh, this podcast episode. It is about how to make an HMI intuitive. Intuitiveness is not trivial. It may seem like just make it easy, keep it straight and simple, the KISS principles, but um, there's a lot behind it and uh, there is uh, two parts behind it. One is the cultural and the physical learning and then after that there is the additional acquisition of knowledge that we have in our life that are basis to build an intuitive HMI. No design beyond a certain complexity is intuitive for everyone. You will always reach the point when there are cultural differences and um, you will reach the point when learned knowledge is required to use an HMI. So um, if you go, if you have a complexity that is beyond very basic, um, you will have to take care about specific intuitiveness. 
Intuitiveness is achieved when users rediscover physical princes and when the cultural context is taken into account and when the prior experience of the user is, uh, is central. So there are three core questions that you should answer. Who uses my product and what previous experiences do my users have? What is the state of the art at the moment? And what regulations such as ISO standards laws exist? That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites beta-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de Write me an email under podcast at beyond-hmi.de Tune in next time. Take care and stay healthy.